Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Pastor Jim Parkin, my co-host, Ashley. And we have with us this week some very special guests. We have the history of EMS in Michigan by way of the Link family. The Link family singers, if you will. (laughs) Well, you don't want to hear us sing. (laughs) Wow. So, Hello, everybody. um, Of course, Jim, you know... Me and Dale, of course, and yeah. Ash, you're just along for the ride. So I'm not just I'm absolutely. Just <laughs> what do you mean, Ashley? I thought she was part of the team. Oh, I am. We she were just talking about that tonight. But oh, okay. co-hosting. Yep. <laughs> okay, so this is this is Dad. His name is Edward Link, um, and uh, he started into the business in the middle seventies. In the middle seventies, around 1972. Okay, he was one of the first. Um, basic emergency medical technicians licensed by the state of Michigan. Mm. Um, And he took his course at Mid-Michigan Community College in Harrison, Michigan. The first graduating class. So he has lots of stories and lots of things to include. Uh, His history um, is pre-mobile medical response. And with that, pre-mobile medical response. It was Grace Ambulance, Faith Ambulance, and Mercy Ambulance. Um, Mercy turned into MMR. Oh. The Saginaw area. Okay. That's okay. where MMR got their start. That's how that all fiddled through, and that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. So we have Edward, who's the El Jefe, the Papa Link. We have Paul Link and Dale Link whom both of those two I've worked with for my career. And then they left. They left me hanging high and dry, everybody. <laughs> All by myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We yeah, yeah. have your back. You just got to call us more often directly. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> anyway, so what we're going to do tonight, is we're going to talk about kind of the history of EMS in Genesee County, um, which has been a, a fun history for my part of it kind of what's going on now and like what is going to be the legacy for this county Hmm. and you guys have been kind of out of the mix for a while so it's i'm trying to have high hopes but some days it's hard to have high hopes well jim here's the good news is i'm still in the system i just I'm not working at the private agency as much as I did before, but I am very well up to speed of what's happening here in Genesee County. So I'm glad to share some stuff with you that I know and, and but oh, yeah. we see what's going to happen here in the future. And of course, Jim, my insight as well as staying in tune with everybody is I work for the healthcare corporation and you know where that's at. So mm-hmm. I get to see all you fine uh, paramedics come in and we get to chat through that. So I'm also pretty right. up to date with most stuff uh, locally as well. That's great. Well, outstanding. So let's go, let's go back to the beginning. Um, I came on scene into EMS in 2004. 
So my brief history is I had been in the military, got out of the military, did a bunch of different jobs, uh, moved to Michigan at some point, um, I think 97 or 98. And then on September 11th, 2001, I was being hired into Grand Blank Fire Department as all that stuff was going on. And then a couple years later, got my EMT because Chief Harms was the fire chief at the time. And he had aspirations of the fire department doing, doing ALS transport, which he wanted to go from zero to, you know, the big fire department style ALS ambulances. Needless to say, that didn't happen. I went to Swartz, uh, where I've always been, worked a couple years, got paramedic and still doing the same. Now you guys. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, let's, let's start okay. with dad first. Let's start yeah. with dad. Right. We'll start with Ed first. Um, well, I started with uh, Grace Ambulance. They were headquartered out of Midland, Michigan. And I had met that uh, owner and he approached me, wanted to expand his business, and he approached me about going uh, to that class at uh, Mid-Michigan Community College in Harrison. And so um, I took him up on the offer, was looking for something different than what I'd been. I'd been military police for five years and had worked for Dow Corning as security and was just tired of that and was looking for something else. So I went to the class. It was pretty grueling because I knew very little about EMS or any of the any of that stuff. And so it, I was truly a greenhorn and uh, but but managed to survive the class and managed to graduate. And uh, so. So, Jim, let me interject here um, because dad didn't give us a date. Um, <laughs> dad in February will be. Eight zero eighty years old, nice. and this um, this accomplishment accomplishment of starting and going through a basic EMT class was nineteen seventy two. Nineteen seventy two. So in nineteen seventy two, you remember that John and Roy emergency yeah. show that was on and that was live and that's that was the thing across America. And that's what helped perpetuate and helped the movement of getting America, the people, in line with, hey, you don't need to have a hearse take you to the hospital no more. We know what we're doing. Right. Okay. So, yeah. And, and prior to uh, that graduating class, the, the general concept in Saginaw County was if you maul them, we'll haul them. And they literally <laughs> would. Yeah. Yeah. They would literally go to a scene in an ambulance or whatever, or whatever the funeral home had, which was quite often the first responders. And they would just literally grab the person, throw them back and haul off to the hospital as fast as they could go. There usually wasn't anybody in the back to take care of them. You know, maybe if they were bleeding bad, they might wrap them up somehow, but it was, it was literally 
throw them in the back and 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 put the pedal on the metal and go. <laughs> Glorified taxi. <laughs> We're out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taxi. That's great. Yeah, that was a heck of a bill from the funeral home. Now, Jim, in Genesee County, we can relate that type of an experience to Arden Hudson. Bless yeah. him. Arden Hudson, Air Hudson, out of uh, uh, Otisville. Uh, that's how he ran his funeral home and ambulance service in the 70s, early 70s. And I took my um, first EMT class from Martin Hudson in 1981, or no, 1986, 1986. So for all of us that are familiar with um, the EMS and the, us old timers that are listening, the closest thing that we can describe to you for uh, – Ed's experience in 1972 through 78, through those years that he was on the road, is the movie Mother Jugs and Speed yeah. <laughs> and Bringing Out the Dead. The two right. of them are very comparable to what Ed's seen. He's seen tire slashed. I, just pretty much if you watch the movie, he's probably seen it. Done. And healing calls and all the rest of that stuff. Dad oh, yeah. Later stories yeah, about the, we, would, we would race to the calls when we were younger. Is that yeah. right, Dad? They would. Oh, yeah, they would try to get the first one got there, got the patient, and it's just like Mother Jugs and Speed inside of between Faith Ambulance and and Mercy back in the day. Yep. Yeah, and if you didn't get there first, if there was a second patient or a third, you might get that one. Otherwise. You went back to your base empty-handed. <laughs> now, wasn't Swartz for a while? They were paid by the call too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. To bring to bring Harry into the picture into Genesee <laughs> County, that's a whole nother. I mean, if you really want to get into the whole history of that side of it, it's uh, very similar to Arden's in uh, and uh, different folks like up in Saginaw Midland area starting as a funeral home. Harry right. started his funeral home business and then figured out that, oh, he was also getting calls for people to go to the hospital. So him and a lot of our old timers that we know, Frank Byers, Harold Bell, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, right. Those guys were one some of the first guys to come into and run Harry's ambulance service. And we all know it was established 1975 because it's all yep. over the back of the ambulance. That it is. Right, right, right. So where does so you had you had Swartz and all that stuff. So when does like Lifeline and all those guys come into play? Oh, Dale, you wanna you yeah, wanna jump sure. into that one? Absolutely. So I started with the Lifeline guys in um it had to be in the 88, 89, 90, somewhere in there. Um they were owned by um, a husband and wife team. I wish I could remember her name if I had Terry. Terry. Terry was the woman's name. Yep. And, and Gary. Gary was the um, husband. And they, they uh, separated. And Gary got the company. And they bought Lifeline and Grand Blank Ambulance at the same time. And they were... Um, they had five locations um, in Genesee County, County Grand Blank, Fenton, Flint Township. Um, 
Burton, and they all had we all had bases at that time when we were right. we worked at, you know twenty four on. And I remember my first my I started there at four dollars and twenty five cents an hour, working ninety six hours a week, four twenty fours, and always living paycheck to paycheck. But you know you had to put food on the table back then. I had two little boys at that stage of my life, mm-hmm. and, uh, but we did it. It wasn't about money. It really wasn't. It was about somebody had to do something to give back to the community. And there was back then there was you were in it because you wanted to be in it because it wasn't we weren't making any money per se. You would have to, you know, and when I first started, it was there was no overtime. It was just straight time, 96 hours. Um, And it yeah. yeah, yeah, Jim. Say that again. Yeah. Ooh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I can <laughs> I can tell I can tell you this: we got paid every two weeks, and it would be like I think I would bring home like five hundred and forty dollars. And you know, it's like, whoa, man! How did I? Right. How did I raise two boys and and a wife and a family and keep things going? And it, it was a struggle. And then you know, but and then I come to my career at fifty five years old and working for, I'm going to be a little bit um, proud to say that I work for MedStar, but I mean, I think Kobe Miller has brought that that company to a wonderful state that it is. I feel that we're getting a fair wage for the basic EMT license that I I hold. And I think the medics are getting good, uh, uh, good pay. And, you know, I don't know what other companies in the county are doing, but I know that MedStar is still, probably one of the top wages and we have great equipment we've right. got leadership and so i've came a long ways in 55 years that's awesome yeah, yeah. oh my goodness dale you're 55 yes mm. oh, that's not bad that's not bad say, say oh, it right, yeah. i'm gonna be 52 in a couple weeks uh-huh. right, right. Yeah. yeah it's just a yeah. number yeah, yeah. Just, a number. just a number so let um uh, is that kind of bringing up to speed dale with where that happened or is yeah there well no, i'm gonna finish it up so then and then so lifeline was bought by the wonderful paramed out of a oh, yeah. and then Pontiac. then within within months three four months maybe and i could be wrong if like i said if we had sue lauren or sue witty listening and they could tell us <laughs> right all our every word we needed to know but they they were then turned around and bought by amr okay EMR really wanted to take it to a different level. So when Paramed bought Lifeline, we were still had the one dispatcher in the in there. Genesee Central would call to find the closest ambulance. So this sometimes Genesee Central instead of having the ABLs and everything that we have today, they mm-hmm. would have to make 20, 30 calls to find every base 13 ambulance. There was probably 13 ambulance companies back then. Mm-hmm. Um, in Genesee County, and they would have to make all these calls before you know they came to the system of ABL. So what Paramed wanted to do, or before it became AMR, is they wanted to get wanted to pay for Genesee County to be able to see where all our ambulances were, and they wanted to put our ambulances on street corners and get rid of bases, twelve hour right. cars. And Genesee County didn't want anything to do with that. Well, so med control, really, med control had part of it is that we we want them in bases, we want them stationed here, then they're not traveling around, moving around, and there was a battle there, just a huge <laughs> battle. Yeah, and so, so that's, Jim, that's, I'll 
I'll inter interject here um, just for technical reasons, I guess. The AMR introduced the first type of system status management, the same type of system status management that our Genesee County 911 uses today through the AVL system, like Dale had, Dale had mentioned. Right. The, the balk or the, the fight in the throwback was, it was, came from two areas. One, there wasn't enough control over it from Genesee County 911. Right. And we all know, rest his soul, Mr. Failing, um, mm -hmm. he's a very controlling young man then. Um, and he, it was his way or no way. Right. And uh, then we had Dr. John Walker on the Medical Control Authority Board. Well, now you got you got two bears fighting each other, and that's how it went. Um, one would propose one thing, and the other would go, nope, we're not doing it that way. So right. that in the aspect of the county was so used to having um, the 911 service was so used to picking up the phone and saying, is your Davison base available? Is your... City of Flint Fire Department Station 1 available. Right. They were so in tune with that and how they dispatched and how all those things came uh, that there was a lot, a lot of pushback to the whole system. Now, I'm going to sneak Dad in here and I'll let him tell you how they were dispatched in 1972 because it's like, well, it's almost as bad as a string in a cup. <laughs> Real close. <laughs> Uh, we had uh, some kind of radio system. I think I think they were CBs. I think, and uh, the call would come out from the county that they needed an ambulance here or there, or wherever, and everybody responded. I mean, it was the name of the game for Faith and Grace ambulance companies was Beat uh, Mercy, Beat Mercy, Beat Mercy. Well, Mercy was on to it. And they would uh, uh, not operate out of their Michigan Avenue station near the courthouse, but they would uh, put cars here and a car there, you know, and they spread them mm -hmm. out into the county so they could get a jump on. on and, and, and at one point they had, uh, with the Grace Ambulance, they had surrounded us. They had four cars uh, really? you know, around us and, and every corner, no matter which way we went. Um, you know, they 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 were jumping calls to beat us there. So, so oh, yeah. Dale and I remember the early eight or the late eighties in eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, where we experienced the exact same thing. So it was uh, really easy for us to come to Dad and say, "Hey, um, you know what? What is it we can do? You were surrounded at one time. How can we be that?" Uh, there was an incredible rivalry between Swartz Ambulance Service and Lifeline. Um, I mean, to the point well, I where remember that sometimes it got ugly. And yep. Dad, you had the same type of thing. But, oh, but yeah. remember, um, Jim, that this is the time that we're talking in the late 80s, early 90s, where if Swartz guys didn't get a call, they didn't get a paycheck. They got a minimum right. of going up but they did they were they got paid by the call so every call they could transport i tell you that it it, it was scary at times paul lived through the same thing harabelle yep. bless his soul and miss him tremendously i don't even even hear from him anymore right but i remember him coming into the we'd be at 
F O H. That's how what what time this is in, in Jersey. Right. And he'd be coming in there hustling for calls. Got anybody going anywhere? And he was always hustling the nurses and doctors and like, hey, yeah. you know, we're here. You got anything to go? And then I realized what he was doing. He was looking to make his paycheck better. So that's right. the soul. But now, of course, that's not the way it is. But it's still a right. crazy time where them guys were were hustling every single time to get a call so they got a paycheck. So during this during this whole time, Jim, I, 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 I'm going to try and stay in your your field of track here, like <laughs> we had discussed earlier. During this whole time, how was EMS evolving? That that's one of the big questions. How was it evolving? Well, as an instructor uh, with the state of Michigan, I learned that information uh, through IC Society and uh, through uh, mutual instructors that the course that my dad took was equal to um, the current, well, prior to us going to National Registry, but it was equal to the current um, first responder state of Michigan course. Right. Okay, uh-huh. so the the same course that I was teaching um, my medical first responder courses plus a bunch of information because there was a lot added to compared to his. Uh-huh. Um, that information was I was teaching to my first responder classes. Now we all know that it eventually flipped again, and uh, not too long ago, oh, 10 years or more ago, we took that basic EMT curriculum from Genesee County or from the state. And we increased the knowledge level from the federal government. The Department of Transportation set a whole new set of guidelines and we had to now teach people at a higher level. So through this whole period of time that we're having fun, we're also having to learn. We're learning new techniques. We're learning new tricks. We're learning the the ups and downs and the backwards and of extrication we're working with fire departments yeah. uh sometimes we were police officers sometimes we were bouncers sometimes mm-hmm. we did a little bit of literally everything so um i wanted to make sure i brought that point back in that well how has it progressed it's gradually slowly progressed through right. the last 20 years uh in order to keep things up to speed with the rest of the nation Right. And it's gotten phenomenally, incredibly better from everything that I dealt with back then. It's it's like uh, 180 degrees in, in in the right direction. And I'm right. sure I'm sure you, guys like you that's still in it and deal with it every day, you will see in the next 10 or 20 years, however many years you work at it, you will see additional improvements on the whole system. It's it just right. gotten better and better and better. Right. Yeah. And like <clears throat> clinically speaking, it for sure. And it continues to evolve, you know, with like to speak on some some medications, like they put ketamine in the drug box and they're quickly realizing just by the way it's packaged that maybe that's not a good idea. And we never really come across a situation where we would need it. So just as quickly as it came into the drug box, now we're discussing it, taking it right back out. Right. Just because it's just procedurally speaking, it's been, there's been mistakes made just by yes. technique of, of how to dose it. 
So like that alone, those things alone and the equipment and the technology is continues to, to, you know, personally, I wish we were still writing a report on paper rather than. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Absolutely. But, so, Jim, think about this. Remember when we, I, and, and you started out on a basic. And remember, we we went, we took the course, we took the state exam. You you got scared, bejeebus out of with Glenda Delahanty, and mm-hmm. went through a practical still test with with um, state evaluators, and you took the written exam, and then that's all you needed. Mm-hmm. Go get them. Right. Right. And then the county med control. This is probably one of the good things I can say about our county back then was they realized that we weren't so good in trauma and we weren't so right. good in pediatric emergencies. So we decided they decided like here's So what we're going to do is you're going to take a Paris class. You're going to take a PHTLS class and we're going to mm-hmm. own in some of those skills that we're messing up on a daily basis. So evolving with just that continuous education we're now taking, now we're specializing in these basics to have, and paramedics have to have PHTLS. They better have right. pairs. And I think that is sometimes I get, it gets, it seems like every year I'm in another class. It's just, it's like, I, you know what I mean? It's like, we got to mm-hmm. do this. Again. But it is, I believe it is med, made better. What I don't believe in is the, them taking the practical skills away from the basic and the paramedic where they used to have to go take practical exams or practical right. skills back mm-hmm. 40. Paul will tell you, see collars. We see see collars come into our, our, our departments in, in ERs across Chelsea County upside down, mm-hmm. not on right, not opened right. And that's because these guys learn these, these EMTs are learning these, these skills in the beginning of class and don't nobody test them up. Well, they do test them up, but I just don't think they're getting it like the, like they should. Right. Now we're speaking of today. Now they're doing these, these EMT academies that are, you know, four to five weeks long and five days a week, eight hours a day. And they're pumping out EMTs when we need them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying right. it's bad, but I just think we're missing something. Right. We, our continuous education in 2021 where I thought we would be today is not where that should be. Right. But I'm just a little guy under the totem pole. <laughs> Way hey, on the bottom. Jim, Jim I heard you mention a drug box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We didn't even have baby aspirin. <laughs> there was nothing. There was nothing. We made our own crash kits. We yeah. built yeah, I, I, I bought a big tackle box from the old Federalist Department store, a big tackle box, biggest one they had in the store, and turned that into my crash kit. I still have it today. No way. It was one of them things, the kit, me and Paul, don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Don't even open it. It was nope. like, nope. that was like, you could touch the Bible, uh, the big Bible that sat on the <laughs> You know what yeah. I'm talking about? That big thick one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before you touch that jump kit. Yeah. That was that was the holy grail off limits, I'll tell you. 100 <laughs> percent But it served a particular function for even us as a family. Where did we get a band-aid? Well, Dad, I need to get into the kit to get a band-aid. I'll oh, get it. I'll get it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, That's awesome. But the day when I was 14 years old and got shot. Five, probably a quarter mile down the road, and my dad came with the green jump kit, 
and probably saved my life from bleeding to death. That day, that day, that kit came in handy because everything was there he needed. Wow. So yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so, Paul, where and is it? So it would be like the Lifeline Pyramid AMR timeline that uh, my cousin John, when you guys work together, is that about the times? Um, yeah, there and a little bit after. You're talking John Pettigrew. Pettigrew. My- oh yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, that's that. Actually, that's the time of time of yes. sequence in the in in the story is where I met John. Um, John was one of the volunteer firemen for uh, Fenton Township Fire Department. Yeah, yep. um, he was a captain. Um, he was on almost every single emergency call that we had in Fenton. Uh, because he lived very close to the station and his job allowed him the freedom of taking off and going. Right. So we got to know John very, very well, very, very well. Um, John was instrumental in multiple parts of both our lives, Dale's and mine. And um, as you know, he's, uh, he unfortunately passed and uh, Mm -hmm. that was a really big loss to the fire community um, the EMS community and um, all of us that considered him family. Yep, absolutely. So, have, Ashley, have you, so you know that the John they're speaking of is my cousin. I did not I know, know that, Jim, at all. Yeah. I didn't know that. So, actually, when did, he, when did he pass away, Jim? Uh, when did he pass away, Paul? That was that's 2011. Like, right. Yep. I can tell wow. you, I was that's there. been that long. Yeah. February 2011. So, yeah. So, anyway, so John took me to, you know, on, um, what is it? Uh, Not North Road, the other side of, on Torrey Road, that the junkyard there. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, So, you guys, when I'm like, ah, man, I might have been, it's a stretch. I might have been eight. mm. And there had been a car accident where this, I think it was like a Pinto or something got smoked by a, a, on a train tracks. And he for sure took me there (laughs) against my my dad's wishes to, to see this mess. So would you remember that call at all? Like the details of that call? No, just that we're going to the junkyard to see this car that got hit by the train. Yep. It was a, it was a geo tracker. It had five teenagers in it. Me and John were on that call together. Really? And, yeah, they, it, it, they were jumping the railroad tracks and the train did time it out properly and it spread the five teenagers down the down the tracks with yeah. from a geo trailer. And, and you know it it and but it happens and, and it was right. a track. But I think probably what John was trying to teach you and, and get in your mind is that, you know, things can happen. You know, mm-hmm. make, make, mm-hmm. make, make great make great decisions. But yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Me and John were partners for a long time in Fenton City, um, three, four years, and yeah, uh, he had he had some great kids, and we, you know, and you know this is that we all are a family in the EMS world, right? And you know, you might not, we we might have our little spat or here or there with somebody in the in the EMS world, you know, we might vaseline a door handle or something and have some fun, but. Comes down to duty. No, no, 
No. Oh, uh, but the, Jim. The, the nitty gritty is we, everybody has each other's back in this world. Right. If there's a need for something for someone in our Genesee County world, it, mm-hmm. it, it always gets taken care of some way, somehow. So let's What's bring that? us back up to where we were then in probably um, late 80s. Now we're probably 85, 86, 87. In my career at that stage of the game, I'm taking a 400 pounder out of the back of an ambulance. She goes into a full blown seizure. I blow my back out. So I have to have back surgery. This is before power stretchers. These are, these are the old, old stretchers where you bend down, pick up the bottom, put them in. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I'm out of, you know I'm that too game. well. I'm out of, I'm out of the game at this yeah. stage of the game since 85. Um, this is 96 now. So I'm out of the world of EMS because of my back. I go a, a whole different career path for, for at least 10 years that I'm not, I'm, I'm not on the ambulance. And then in 2007, I have some friends at stat say, Hey, you want to come get back to the EMS world? I said, oh, yeah, I, you know, I'll pedal in it. And, and that's how I came back into just doing it part-time. And then in 09, I got hired at McLaren in the ER and I was there for 15 years full-time. Right. So yep. that's where I'm, and then now today I took a full-time fire job up in um, north of Traverse City in the little town of Suttons Bay on our oh, Indian cool. So that's what I'm doing full-time now is taking care of the reservation, fire, and EMS needs. Nice. Nice. Right on. And, so still what year did we and I still work for Gaines Township Fire here in Genesee County when I'm home. Gotcha. All right, Jim, what year did we leave off there? 19, I don't know. 96. No, 1996, Paul. 96. I'm getting but out of the I, Army. So yeah. we, we got to go way back, like 12 years back, because when Dale was getting started and he had the itch to go into become an EMT, uh, he also gave me the itch. But I didn't go in full hog like he did. I worked for Flushing Area Volunteer Ambulance as a um, ambulance attendant. I had first aid and CPR. Advanced first aid, Paul. Advanced first aid. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Advanced first aid, because that's what it was called. I had (laughs) advanced first aid. I had to know how to do CPR, which was my very first call. And the reason I don't eat beef stroganoff to this day. (laughs) And But that's a whole other podcast, Jim. I'm just telling you. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's where I got my start. And that was 1982. Um, That was the year that I had graduated high school, actually. So from there, I dabbled with it and dabbled with it and dabbled with it. And then I took a different career path, just like Dale did. And then one day, Lifeline was hurting for uh, crew. And Dale says, well, let's do the math on this. Let's figure it all out. So it's Dale's fault that I got into EMS 100%. Absolutely. Um, it, it, without a doubt, but um, all in all, from there, it's it's. it's it was my dad's fault driving the Cadillac at 120 mile an hour that got me stuck into it. <laughs> yeah, you, wait, 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 Jim, you got to hear that really for for true. Um, Mine was 160. His <laughs> Dale likes speed. Dale's kid likes speed, and um, as in like in Mother Judge and Speed. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Very very. Very quickly, tell the he was going to a call at two o'clock in the morning. We get a call, 
We're on State Street in Saginaw. It's, uh, it's about 25 miles to Merrill, roughly. And we have a um, call that comes in from the county that there's a girl been shot, a child. So we pile out of bed and pile in the ambulance and we do the jog. We get over to, to the south to Gratiot, M46. So it runs into yep. Yep. Shields, followed by Hemlock and Merrill. Um, as we cross the tip of the Wasi River, I put the pedal on the metal. On a, and it's a Cadillac Fleetwood Brome ambulance. <laughs> yeah. A 1972 Cadillac Fleetwood oh, Brome. I think it was older than that. I think it oh was. Gosh, okay. So, so this is a, this is the boat. Go back into the uh, archives in the antique stuff and you can see one of those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I put the pedal on the metal and never let off. <laughs> And we go west towards uh, where M47 turns into St. Charles. And I looked down at the speedometer, which only went to 140. And I was about two notches past that. The speedometer thing was straight down. 140 was <laughs> off the straight down. So I think it was that's 160 awesome. miles an hour in that Cadillac. That's the first time I ever flew a Cadillac. It's also the last time I ever flew one. Because when we go past 47 at the old gray barn, at that point, the road takes a, a six or eight inch drop. And that was at the point that that Cadillac was doing floating. Floating. Yeah, it's making the, the signs with his hands. Are, are we talking about floating, something like this? Floating through, huh? Yes. Are we talking about something like this? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. but yeah. in an ambulance. Yes. In an ambulance. Yes. Yeah. 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 It only weighed about two ton or so. And yeah. under, under that hood, actually, it was all motor. Yeah. Well, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. It's all for an end. And by the, I, I let off after, after I floated and we went past the gray barn, it finally touched down and I let off on the pedal and said, never again, uh, 160 mile an hour is enough. And by the time I got to my folks house in the 1300 mile, I was down to 90. We slowed down to about 70 going through Hemlock and two miles on the other side, we're three miles from Merrill. We get a call from the county False alarm. False <laughs> alarm. Return to base. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing, nothing happened. Oh. So the other the other thing that and, and Jim, you know how I'm a, a federal Q fanatic with this. I just got to throw this into there. Oh yeah. So <laughs> so you got to you got to imagine an old style federal Q that was clutch operated off the engine. So you flip the switch, it engaged the clutch, and it go and started screaming. Mm -hmm. Well, Dad figured out real quick that if he shut the siren off, he got more horsepower and more because that federal Q was drawn more. Yeah, it was drawn. Yep. So he get a couple extra horses out of that if he shut it off. So that's part of the uh, part of the fun and play of yeah. Right. Out in the country, you could hear that federal Q about. Two miles away. Right. Easily. Not at 160, though. <laughs> no, not at 160. I might have been passing the sound. Oh, my goodness. Right. Right. Never flew a Cadillac again. So, Jim, as you, as, as, as the county has developed and, you know, and we're, we're looking at today, mm -hmm. I mean, we have AVLs. You can't go right. anywhere in the county without... Genesee County 911 knowing how right. fast 
what you're doing, where you're at, how many miles you are from the call that they're about to give you. Mm-hmm. Back in um, 1996 and 97, 98, I can tell you that I was jet skiing on Lake Fenton with a pager and a Ziploc baggie and mm-hmm. waiting for, for the pager to be zipped because we're going to be out of the truck and the radios are not working, what we used to tell dispatch, and we'd be, like, we'd be on Lake right. Fenton jet skiing. You can't right. do that no more. Them days no. are gone. That <laughs> right. was the like, even when I came into it, that's how it was. Like, so my first job was at a company, uh, an infamous company, it wasn't around very long, called ERS. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there was only a couple crews. Mm-hmm. And what would happen is actually our dispatch it. was through community from Southfield. And those yeah. guys, it wasn't like you're saying, it wasn't AVLs or anything. No maps no knowledge of Genesee County. So we'd be at our base and we'd be playing video games or whatever. And they would call us on a cell phone mm-hmm. and they'd say, do you have your Dort and Joy space? And if we wanted to take a call, we'd say yes. And if we didn't, we'd just say no, not available. Mm-hmm. And that's how that went. And then fast forward, I get hired at Swartz and it was the same thing, right? So if I was at our Grand Blank city base, like working out of that base, but at Hurley, Dispatch would call our Norm. He'd call Norm Dietrich, Norm our dispatcher. Yeah. And they would say, We're going to use his name? Really? Yeah, man. Transmed. I started with Norm and Transmed. Right. And, but, so they'd call Norm. He'd get on the radio and say, What's your location for center? They have a call in, like, for a Grand Blank City call. And I, I could be at Hurley and I would legitimately tell him, Oh, yeah, we're at Saginaw Perry. And yeah. I'd say, Saginaw Perry. And then we just fly, you know, in the middle of the night, we're just flying from flying 475 down and take this, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. this Grand Blank City call. Right. 12 minutes to get from Miller Road to Owen, US 23 and Owen Road. 12 mm-hmm. minutes. I do not hold the record. <laughs> it's, so, yeah, we know. Right. Yeah. yeah That's it called was MPH so much you don't different. Know. So much different. It was what, Neil? It was called MPH. So yet in the Ford ambulances, you had got to 85 and the rate right at the bottom, it had MPH miles per hour. And if you got your, um, oh, that's right in the Ford that in right. got, got the speedometer to MPH, you were probably doing a hundred. Right. And, right. The, and back then there were gas engines <laughs> before diesels. And now, right. now we went through the diesel world and now we're back, to buy we're back at gas. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and now, like currently, what we have is a huge shortage. Oh, just like geez. every other healthcare, every other Ooh. facet of healthcare. So now we're dealing with Dale, as you know, as you guys both know, that we have critical status, EMS oh, critical yeah. status all the time. So now it's, it's, I could have dropped somebody off from taking somebody from Hurley to home or whatever in Fenton. Mm-hmm. And if I'm the closest to, you know, Mount Morris, I'm the closest and I'm, I'm going to be running that call, which could have been pending for a few minutes. Right. You know, right. so we're in, a, we're in a whole different catastrophe right now. Right. So let's go back just a little bit before we get to that distress. Because when every rig in Genesee County before Paul, Paul CMS days and Roger Ellsworth, all the basic cars were basic EMPs and were BLS only in Genesee County went on every call that was considered oh, a tier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Remember yeah. those days. So, so where we give credit today. to Sheriff Wilson and his, you know, his insight to creating the paramedic division and how many lives that they've saved throughout the years uh, along us. Right. Uh, by far, we owe them that much. For right. that. Absolutely. And, 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 and Chris came, I mean, I can tell you Chris Swanson is, 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 is our sheriff, but I can tell you he, I was on his first cardiac arrest in Fenton where Chris jumped on board and says, guys, I'm, I'm the paramedic, but I'm going to need some help on this one. Help me. And we'll, we'll work this thing through together. I, I can uh-huh. remember like it was yesterday, but look how far he has came and look at the, the world that, you know, they have. Right. And they're they're having this shortage just like we are. Right. And Jim, if you listen, we all listen to the MS radio um, when I'm at home and when I'm up North and whatever. And, and there is no doubt in my mind that I have seen the Fenton, stat truck get called out of Fenton or the the MedStar truck to go to Mount Morris or to Otisville or to Davison. Mm-hmm. These guys are running, you, Swartz, are running from one end of the county to the other when it becomes critical status because you're the only ALS truck available. Mm-hmm. Whoever world in the million, million times I've thought about this is that we would ever go from 13 ambulance companies and all kinds of ambulance services and all kinds of ambulances in Genesee County in, in 1996 and 2005, all of them ambulances to what we are today with five ambulance services left in Genesee County. And it's, and we can't keep up with the ambulances right. calls that are in Genesee County. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Never in mm-hmm. a million years, but I bet I would have bet a million dollars on this. So Jim, as you well know, um, I'll, I'm going to throw in some to some statistics for the folks that you know are like okay well how big was this 13 ambulance companies um within with an approximate 60 ambulance fleet uh, out mm-hmm. of all of them right and the, and at the time that I was on medical control authority board which is the same time that I worked with you on the road the average daily amount of ambulances out of those 13 ambulance companies that was on the road and potentially available to the 911 system was 43. Mm -hmm. 43 trucks. Right. And we didn't even include the sheriff's department's eight fly cars. Right. So to put that back in perspective, okay, we had all this and now we're to nothing. What's caused this? Where where is what's happened? Uh, There are a lot of theories uh, but, you know, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, the comparison is there. Right. We're right. not putting – the state of Michigan is not putting out paramedics. That's the that's the bottom line. Right. I think the paramedic shortage is one of the reasons. I believe – Well, coming I, through COVID, like my current partner, his his graduation date just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. Like he is still – I mean, he is just now getting ready to test, you know, because of – now we aren't doing in-person learning. And then it was, now you can't do your clinicals. Um, Swartz kind of stepped up and worked with Genesis EMS education. And he ended up being allowed, because he was my partner, to do those clinicals while he worked with me. So That's he awesome. was able to do his, his internship like on the fly. As, but as, it, didn't, it did, didn't help him, really, because he got done with all that. And he still had to finish class, and he still had to, you know... 
I 100% believe, and again, I am just a little guy out of, in this big world of EMS, is that we've got to take a look at how we're teaching our paramedics and our EMTs. And, and we know that we can teach an EMT to be an EMT successfully past the National Registry within right. five why can't we do that with our paramedics instead of pushing these guys so hard for 18 months long? Why can't we figure out how to do it? Like when you and Paul took the class at FOH, or I don't even, Jim, I have no idea what you took your class at. Or I went McLaren. to Genesis. Genesis. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, Nine and months. I'm a McLaren graduate. Okay. Now what the program in EMS world is no longer at all. Right. 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 But well, we've got to figure out to, keep the, to, to combat this shortage that we have in Genesee County and through the state, total state, and not just state. You can say this nationally. We've right, got to it's national. Way, we've got to figure out a way where we can educate paramedics and get them educated enough where we can put some paramedics on the road with some seasoned paramedics such as Paul and you, Jim, and work them until they are – that you feel that the, uh, good field training officers that make sense that you're – Dale's competent to go on the road. You, you're checking right. him off. Right. You, you push these guys, and this is how it is today. You, you get classroom for eight months. The rest of them is your internship. You're riding mm-hmm. with these hours, and you got to have 200 and some hours. It don't make no sense. And then and then they don't get paid for it. You know, right. you, can't work, you can't work. I can't work with you, Jim. We're normal partners. You can't work with right. each other and me get credit. We've got to figure out a way where we can educate these and get these guys out a paramedic program within nine months. Right. Right. But again, that's Dale Link's opinion. So I Dale, think- as you were talking, um, dad leaned over to me and he said, so why, why did the state quit producing quality uh, paramedics? paramedics? So I'll, I'm going to back up a little bit with you and I'll go, into my thought process of what what happened and how did it all start? Well, the my belief in, in first is that the federal government and our state government health departments have failed in the process of training the the people, John Q. Public, of what an emergency is. Right. An emergency Absolutely. is not a stub toe at three o'clock in the morning. Right. Right. But, it was an emergency when the 600-pound big guy said to me, I drank a, a, a whole bottle of castor oil, and it's going to blow. Now, that was an emergency. Right. Right. So putting everything in perspective, it's the education of the people is lacking. 100%. Right. Um, you go to Texas and other states, they have 411 systems. That every call is triaged. They they say, oh well, we don't. Th- you sound like you just got a cold. Let's put you through to another dispatcher who can connect you with um, a urgent care that you can go to tomorrow. Oh, do you need transportation? Well, we can handle that too. The bus or the car will be there at ten thirty to pick you up for your eleven o'clock appointment. Right. Okay. We're right. not doing that at all. No. Ninety percent of the country isn't doing that. So. Fixing the education problem is the first first issue. Then the right. second issue is fixing the wages. Right. You can't expect someone now as a paramedic like you and I are, Jim, to um, or in Dale's in Dale's case, a, f- a fire um, 
what do you, what do you guys call it? Fireside, you and Jim. What is what is it called? Um, We're just fire. Well, in Jose, no, there's state, a you go to school fire, for it. firefighter medic. Oh, certified, certified no. firefighter. No college. It's a degree for you guys. Oh, fire science. Yeah. Oh, fire science. There it is. Yes, Sorry. yes, yes. Up until five years ago, there wasn't even barely talk until the till the federal government stepped in and said, oh, we're going to change this requirement that the paramedic had an actual opportunity to get a degree in right. applied sciences under paramedicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm going to school like every other human being here in the United States, it, it was push college, 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 college down our throat and um, I get the, get through that course. Now I'm a college graduate with either an associate's or a bachelor's, depending on what I did. And now you're going to pay me $7.29 an hour because that's all the industry will support. Right. 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 Who's going to stay in that? Nobody. Like, Nobody. No one. <laughs> Unless they were using right. it for a stepping stone. Right. And going to nursing school or whatever. You know, Jim, how many people have we know in our careers that are now registered nurses? I, I get oh, yeah. 20 of them right. that were all EMS world with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, That's and we for know sure. Doctors too. Now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, that's always been the thing. I mean, and like yeah. you said early on, Dale, you don't, nobody got in this for the money and the fame, mm-hmm. but at the same time, got to eat. Yep. You know yes. what I mean? Absolutely. Jim, you're you know. So like, like Dale said earlier, hats off to now MMR and MedStar and um, the bigger players uh, of the state of Michigan, because they're all following suit pretty much. Right. Um, to paying us a acceptable wage, getting right. um, health benefits involved, getting certain rules and regulations from the um, um, the oh, gee, wage and labor boards, right. and, uh, allowing a paramedic not to work in excess of X amount of hours being mm-hmm. up, just like anything else right. for safety reasons. Right. Um, right. So all those things, yes, it's it's a good start, but it's not fixing. Right. The, it's not fixing the issue. Like it, as an example, Dale, uh, Dale and I. Well, I go up every now and then and visit Dale while he's working uh, at the tribe. The Traverse City McDonald's, the three of them in Traverse <laughs> City. This is a are, true statement. Huh? I said this is true. This, this, is, this is true, Dale, right? I, this is the blow Traverse City. Lines. Dad's seen it too when he came out to visit. $21 an hour to flip a hamburger at McDonald's. Yeah. And right. make French fries. Because they can't get people to right. work in McDonald's. And we're not even the worst state. We heard on the TV tonight from the national news that Massachusetts, Maine, and another state are the three worst states because – their business is shutting down because they can't get employees. Well, right. okay. are there, is that, is that need or is that uh, interest for being a paramedic still there? Yeah. Deep down. I really believe that. I believe mm-hmm. that there are still people out there that go, Oh, I want to be a fireman when I grow up. 
But right. and I can be a fireman and a paramedic, and I can save lives both ways. Right. So Absolutely. Is it there? Is the draw there? Yeah, it is. But the problem is, is that what's knocking that drive away from them? What carrots getting held in front of the student uh, or the person that's deciding to do what they want with their career? What carrots getting held in front of them to make them move to go to this? It's dollars right. and cents. Right. You know, it's yeah, interesting, right. too, yeah. that I'll interject. What I was really impressed by this young lady. She did her, her, her program, I think, at either Dorsey or like Lansing Community College. But she mm-hmm. came to us at Swartz. And when they go to offer a position, they said a certain EMT starting dollar amount. And this kid said, no, no. And I quote, you need me more than I need you. Mm. This is the industry standard. I'll yes. take nothing less. And our oh, boss yeah. said, I like her. I'm going to do it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Just like that. And now out? kind of our <laughs> model is that people go in and they say, this is what I'm doing. This is what I bring to the table. This is what I'm worth. And I would say a solid 98% of the time, our ownership's like, okay. But, but if you just but shuffle along and gyms. don't say anything and just woe is me, there's, all right, do you bring it to right. us? Are they, I, is, did that late, is that, that female that you're speaking worked out well? Is she a good yeah, employee? Yeah, she's great. Yeah. You know what? This is what she wants to do. Okay. But she yeah. had the wherewithal to say, no, no, no. I agree. Right. And, and I, I, I totally, you're going, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. Because it's, it's true. And me I and know Paul, what I'm worth. You know, right. I'm, I'm a little more expensive than other people, but I know what I'm right. worth. Right. Right. You know, and I believe right now, if you're a paramedic in the state of Michigan, you can write your ticket just the way that lady you just spoke about can do. If you're in there mm-hmm. going confident and you sit down and right. you tell your story, that listen, I'm not going leaving from here to come to here without making somebody make a difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't mm-hmm. understand yourself. You guys have skills. We have skills, and we should be paid for the skills that we have. We yeah. and that's the way, and the way it should be. You know, and you know, sixteen months ago, we were the heroes. We were the first line people. Yep. Nurses, doctors, <laughs> us. Yeah. Remember all that? How, <laughs> I do. Yeah. I mean, oh, I do. Yeah. So we've come a long ways and there's a, there's a lot ahead of us, but if we don't start turning out some paramedics very soon. Right. We're, we're going to, and you know, there's stuff. a lot to that, man. I think like Paul said, I think the big, the big overarching problem is that people don't know what is an emergency and what's not like my partner and I, I've said this a couple of times on the podcast, so we don't have to edit it anymore. I know my management doesn't fully appreciate it, but we will go into houses and okay, you tested positive yesterday for COVID or whatever the case. And we do a full assessment, monitor SPO2, the whole thing. Okay. you Listen, I know you're miserable, but would you be mis- rather be miserable in whatever hospital's waiting room or right here on your own couch? Absolutely. And a hundred percent of the time people say, I'll just stay home. Ashley, you were with us when we did, we had the one lady that was, she was just sick. We did yeah. an assessment and that's it. You know, instead of they now, right. They get 
you take these people and they're getting jammed up for an ambulance ride. Then they're getting jammed yeah. up for that copay. And then they're sick and they're sitting in the waiting room for now past month. Right. Right. And just waiting. And you got nurses that are spun out and burnt out and exhausted. And then it's just perpetuating this. Well, and for like that one guy that we saw, it's like, it's his mom. Like he wants to do the right thing. Like, do I take my mom in? Is she like, I don't want to make the wrong decision and to to cart her out and do all that. Right. I believe he actually said, if this was your mom, what would you do? Right. And so for you guys to like be that double, like, am I doing this right? Are we making the right decision? Like to give him that peace of mind to help him Mm -hmm. make what was the right decision for her and stuff was a big deal. A big deal. Right. Right. You know, kind of, I think to get away from, as it's always been at the, you call, we haul, we just rush in, grab them, slap them on the cot, cram them in the rig, do all the stuff. And I mean, sometimes that's warranted, but more often than not, you know, like what I want when I have paramedics come up with me and they're riding with me more than what they can do. I know what they can do. I want to know if they know when not to be a paramedic and just be an educator or a handholder, just compassionate. Yes. Right. Paul, I remember, like yes. I, I tell nope, everybody yep, nope. that you're, that you've been my greatest mentor. Cause one, it's true. And two, I, what I remember the most is how intently you would listen to the patients when be unseen. You know, it wasn't there speaking and you're already on to the next thing. You, it was very focused and deliberate how you would listen. And so like, I took a lot of, that's how I do business. I took a lot away from that. Just that one simple thing that you were always very, just very much in tune to what they were saying, but you can figure out almost everything just listening to them talk. Yeah, that's sometimes correct. just listening to them, Jim, right. as we all know, learning mm-hmm. from just listening to somebody and showing you care will solve half of the problem. Right. Absolutely. So, so basically, Jim, you, you've just said there is, is, is that a learned thing or is it a learned teachable thing or is it something that's within the, the paramedic or EMT themselves from the inside to have empathy and to have concern and to want to understand what the patient's going through? Because we all know we've had partners that just really don't give a flying raccoon about anything. Right. Oh, right. Man. I, I don't know that. that. I think it's in there, but I think it has to be. I think it's like there's a seed in there that has to be watered and nourished. Absolutely. And you know what I mean? I think everybody has it. Yeah. I think what's kind of what I, I grew up in a, as when I was coming to the education piece and, and just being around individuals, it was like the learned behavior was how everybody was lying. Everybody's trash. You treat everybody poorly I mean, I said this once our pastor's wife was on the podcast and I was telling her how like, there was one point where I had a lady actually carry, she had called for trouble breathing. And when we got there, her inhaler, her rescue inhaler was sitting on top of the pack of cools. So it was not like emergent trouble breathing, <laughs> but I may or may not have like plugged the nasal cannula into the thing, never turning on the O2 and had her carry it out to the rig with her. You know, there was those days in my career, but it was, that was who I was with. That's initially as an EMT, that's what I'm learning. This is all, this is how we do. And then I think once you figure out that, that, no, that's not how to treat people. Well, Jim, you you gave such 
you were building such trust because it's right. something that when we talked about that, because I was on that ride along and, and when we talked about it on the episode afterwards, you, you talked about like, can you imagine if you would just said, okay, okay, let's go, let's go. And you drop them off the hospital. They have no vehicle. And now you've dropped them off for a 20 hour <laughs> happy stay, yeah, right. you yeah. know, and now they feel potentially like they've been abandoned and taken advantage of and not even the right thing was done. I, I right. hadn't even considered how somebody might end up in a whole other horrible situation right? because you didn't have a full conversation to figure out what was actually best for them instead of just like, okay, come on, come on, I'm doing a transfer. I'm just getting you right. to the hospital. I'm just doing the thing. So trust. Right. I mean, huge I think, amount of yeah. trust with the first responder industry and the community, you know, as far, like from what I see, you know. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Absolutely. I think, do you think it can be taught, Paul? Or do you think it's just something that you got to have yeah, well, within you? Not necessarily taught, but an enlightenment through education. Right. Um, like uh, one of my favorite courses that I, I like to do with my students is, is I, I give them the opportunity to um, view something and go through the uh, emotion state of this. What is, what did you just feel? You know, right. um, we'll, we'll use somebody getting shot as an example, shot in the chest. We see it all the time on TV, but if you're, that's, if that's just it right there and boom, it happens and it shocks you and all that stuff. What are you feeling? Understand that feeling, understand um, how you're reacting. And by understanding what you feel, it will create and open up the empathy and the concern and the uh, justification for holding their hand as they pass into eternity or, or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Um, right. it, it will definitely, I believe it opens up the eye. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so this brings us to another thing, Jim, that is what Paul just said is, is the empathy and stuff is not taught in the EMS world at all in, in the textbook of, of, of what we read and study. But I believe it as senior EMS people and, and people that have been in the business the longest every one of us standing here are and have been, mm-hmm. we need to educate them. We need to take those younger, younger birds and put them under our wings and say, Hey, this is the right, this is the right thing to do. Right. And, but there ain't enough of us out there to, 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 but you know what, if we can change one gym, mm, mm-hmm. yeah. that's, that's what matters. And I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you another thing, and this is going to, I don't want to run down this rabbit hole hard, but I want, I want, I just want to say it because I, I feel I'm led to, to say this. When me and Paul got into the business and when you got into the business, Jim, there was nobody to talk to. There was nobody to, when I had my four-year-old drowning in Lake Fenton, I had a three-year-old son at home. I had nightmares. Right. All I could see is dust and sitting on the bottom of the bottom under the dock of right. that Oriole. And um, I got finally point in my career that where we as uh, medical first responders can now have places to call. We can talk to you. And there's something that's happened since my dad would 1972 can tell you mm-hmm. call after call after call what he's seen. But there was nothing there for us to talk to as EMS professionals. But today, I believe that there's people that we can reach out to every day. Mm-hmm. And if 
and them feelings come to you, you know, and we all know what I'm talking about. Reach out to somebody. Don't, oh, yeah. don't think that there's nobody out there that cares because I've sat in them shoes and going, you know, it's, it's not something that you want to go through by yourself. And back in the day in 1973, when dad started this, you had to be tough to be in this business. Right. I, I, I save lives. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Them memories can't be washed away from your eyes. They're right. there. You know what I'm talking about, Jim? Ashley, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about, Paul? I do. Dad, I do too. Dad, I can remember you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It just doesn't go away. No, I can we remember. We don't have to be anymore. We just have to know that we have feelings and we can talk to somebody about them. I'll tell you one more thing and then I'll, I'll shut up about this whole thing. is my, A mentor in my life, uh, in the beginning, asked me, how are you going to deal with this? I said, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm, I'm 19 years old. I'll deal with it when it comes. And I said, how do you deal with it? The guy said these words to me. You didn't put that person in that position. You're here to help that position. So don't take this as your, it's your fault. Go do your job. Do it to the best of your ability and do it well. Mm-hmm. And what happens, happens. And I've lived with that for the last 30 years that I've been in this business. Some, the four-year-old, the, the cannon going off and, and hitting the bystander, mm-hmm. killing him. All these things still stick in my mind, but I didn't have anything to do with it. Right. I just to make the difference and doing my job the best that I can do it. Is that the best wisdom we can tell our, our coworkers or our friends? I don't know. It's worked for me. Right. Just remember, there is always somebody to talk to. And if it's just calling you as a pastor, Jim, or, or me, or, I mean, I'm on Facebook, Paul's on Facebook. We're good listeners. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff's crucial. Okay. So I spent last I'm week done, talking I'm to done going down there firemen and, yeah, well, it's important, man. And, and yeah. putting my self in this position, you know, I, I had the opportunity to talk with some of these young firefighters in, in Oxford and some mm. couple of guys from Lapeer that went over. And, you know, a couple of those dudes, that's their first thing, like the literal first thing they've ever seen in first responder kingdom is a high school shooting, mm-hmm. you know? So, but that's exactly it. It's just having those resources you know, and encouraging people to use them. Yes. Because there's yes. still that kind of that we got to be tough. Yeah. You know? Yep. But I mean, I that is, yeah, well, I mean, that's why we get on this podcast every week. I mean, that's why right. we right. started this ministry to have one more thing that people could listen to, have access to on a weekly basis, be part of this community, um, plug in if they want. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's what that's what we're all about. You know, if we could reach one person, like I said, just about what I said earlier about if we can teach one EMT, one paramedic to, to be empathy and, and to care instead of just doing the motions because med control mm-hmm. says I got to do A through Z. When we, we reach one person and save one life doing by just listening mm-hmm. I think is, 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 is where worth. And I appreciate your podcast. Um, I, I think that, um, I would love to, you know, to make sure that people know that, you know, they're, we're not in this thing alone anymore. Right. Absolutely. Jim, you, uh, in through the ministry, you also have reached out to veterans, oh, um, yeah. of course. And, and, and I won't dive into that side of it because it's, 
a little bit different than what we, what we are. But veterans often become EMTs and paramedics and firefighters and all those things. Uh-huh. I noticed a difference in reading history on how the Americas changed with each of the wars. Every military person is trained to save a life to an extent. Right. Uh, that training from World War One, of course, was much better in World War Two, And then we go on through all the rest of the wars that we've been through. And now, of course, uh, Iraqi and all the rest of that, that, that they've had, we've had to, the technology and all the drive and everything's there. However, what's different about the whole process? The difference in the whole process is, is that the education has been different. Right. It's been different. Mm-hmm. The the government or whoever whoever's teaching these kids when they go into the armed services at 19 and 18, they're they're adjusting to the 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 possible chain reaction that they're going to get out of these kids to mm-hmm. keep them under control. Right. So um, with that change in environment just within the country, just in men in the first 50 years, but then add the women that serve our country, Mm -hmm. um, those changes in education are what makes it possible for things to evolve. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, that's true. I think, Paul, there's another thing, Jim. We go back to that conversation we had 10 minutes ago about the shortage of paramedics. We don't have the group of people that we had when we started in the business who wanted to serve, who wanted to make a difference in their communities. We're seeing that on the fireside, Jim, I don't even remember. Are you still in Grand Lake City? Um, I'm their chaplain. I'm no longer based on a recent neck injury. I'm no longer active, but. Right. But, but when I started, you there was a waiting list to get on the fire department in night. Oh yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> that was either, a big deal. either it's a son of somebody or you better have a great resume that they didn't want to turn away today. Right. It, we don't have people knocking on our doors to come right. be a fireman. The, again, it's the serve the people, the young men and women at the age they need to be don't want to serve. Right. And that's like, you like Paul said a couple of times, that's a whole different podcast, but there's, yeah, right. there's, there's reasons and, and different narratives as they say, and, and all these things that contribute to that fact. Yep. But, Absolutely. you know, but um, yeah, I think, I think moving forward, if we can touch on kind of what I hope the legacy of, of EMS in our local community, but nationwide and abroad and all that stuff, I just, I hope we can find a way to, to spark that interest again. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at, I, I, you could say that I'm a post 9-11 first responder. Because, I mean, I was being hired on the day, mm-hmm. but you right. see what happened with the military. Mm-hmm. Guys saw that happen and immediately I have to do this. Right. I don't know. <clears throat> well, I do know with this, this pandemic that we've gone through all these things, there's nothing about that based on the how polarized and how kind of tribal it's become to really spark an interest that I would want to be involved in taking care of people. You know, so it'll be something, something will come along, something will come down the pipe that 
hopefully sparks that interest again. But I think magic thing. No, right. Absolutely. I think being honest with classes, I mean, I've been asked to speak at, at Genesis classes a couple of times and then it'll always be this long hiatus where they don't ask me because I've, I will always go in and I'll tell a paramedic class, like, listen, you're going to use your paramedic skills about 8% of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, and this yeah, is what this really is, Yeah, you know, and, and yeah. you can see the air get sucked out of the room and the wind come out of their sails, mm-hmm. you know, but, but that's honestly, the idea of all this is just to serve people, right? Serve your community. It's not Make always, it it's not always all sexy and explosions. And I, I, I like to talk about like, what's the one Chicago fire mm-hmm. back in the yeah. day, like third watch was on and all these shows where you'd see like, <laughs> like there was a show for a minute, one season, Ashley, I think I've told you about this. It was called trauma. And there was like the first episode, the helicopter that was flying around San Francisco, which seemed weird to me anyway, like crashes into the building that they're trying to rescue people off of. And it falls down. I believe it hit a bus that went onto a barge to do like a farmer's market. And like, <laughs> okay. Like if I'm honest, I'm calling in that day. <laughs> right. I'm like, mm, no, no, thanks. But, but that's what people see. And these kids come through and that's what they expect that every day is going to be this thing. And then you tell them what this really is while you're an EMP, you are going to take these six people to and from dialysis, you know, every day of the week. Right. (laughs) What I got was from guys like Paul is like, this is a good opportunity for you to learn how to do assessments and take vitals on the move. And, you know, so I, I had a whole different kind of training. I think now, we're seeing these kids, they push through, they go through their FTO programs super fast because you need them on the road and it's turn out. What do they say? Putting butts in the seats. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, I think at some point we have to figure out a way to slow things down. I mean, we all, we're all grown. We know that these are businesses and the idea of a business is to make money, you know, and there's, there's all those aspects and all those things. But so in 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 that gym comes uh, how much am I worth sitting in that truck? I thought about this a thousand times. How much am I worth an hour to sit there and be on call? Okay, I'll give myself ten dollars an hour. Okay, when you call me and I'm available, my price jumps. I'm like, okay, I should be worth about forty or fifty dollars an hour until I figure out what's going on. Right. And then when I get to your house and I start doing chest compressions on your dad or your sister or whoever else, mm-hmm. to me, I'm just doing my job. But to you, Mr. Family Member, John Q. Mm-hmm. Public, I'm priceless at that moment. Right. 100% priceless. You cannot. Right. There is no price. number. Absolutely. I right. Agree. I agree. And I think, you know, I think on the business side of it, I think where that gets missed right there is that there. What I think what gets missed is what the, what's the product, right? Right. You know, and, and the product is what we know and where we're willing to go and what we're willing to do, what we're willing to be exposed to, right? And, and I sure. think a, a lot of times, you know, 
at that level, at that ownership, senior management level, unless they spent a career in, in the EMS system, I think that fact gets missed. And then that's when you have companies that are like, well, because most of the time you're just sitting. So, you know what I mean? So we'll, we'll pay you this much because most of the time you're really not working that hard. And I think it gets missed on what's the, what is, what is the product? Yeah. I think that's a huge thing and industry wide, yeah. you know, I've heard people, people will tell me, well, I'm going to California, California medics make about 150, $150 K a year. I'm like, well, but that's like 30,000 here. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got, there's like, all these other ass living. <laughs> right. So, you know, I think there's all kinds of, there's like probably five or six different episodes that we could branch off and do that we probably should. Right. But like, um, I think that, Despite what we're going through as a country and as a community, there's got to be a point where we slow down and kind of recalibrate and retrain and kind of get the ship headed back in the right direction. I think right now we're in a position where it's so busy and it's so we're so short staffed that we're just trying to keep our noses out of the water. And I think that goes with everybody. I mean, MedStar seems to be doing well, but I see those kids and they're, they're exhausted. You know, I know we are at sports, you know, I'm, I'm in the autumn of my career trying to run like I did when I first started. It's, yeah, right. it's, not, it's not going so well. So well. I, I can testify right. to you. That ain't going to work. Right. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm 55. I've said that three or four times and I, I'm trying to keep up with, you know, 26, 27 year old firefighters yeah. that are in their prime. Mm. Can't do it. Just, don't have that option to keep right. up. I, I have the desire. I don't have the the ability. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's exhausting, man. But how many uh, calls a day do you run, Jim? <clears throat> My partner and I, um, it's pretty well documented. We pride ourselves as the best ever do it. But I'm running like between nine and eleven a day. Hmm. That's fantastic. And, in 12 hours. It's ridiculous. Nope. And we aren't really, we're trying to slow roll. And we just get, just, just taking call after call after call. I'm really the, trying not to do that. It's amazing that they keep getting us. It's we, called, um, and we're just talking central calls, right? Yeah. We talk, yeah. Yeah. I might get one transfer a day, but because of our, our, where we are at Swartz with staffing, we got to stay in ALS compliance. So I don't see very many transfers. Maybe one a day, maybe. Jim, in 72, at Grace, we averaged one call a day for the first seven or eight months. One call a day. Oh. We were bored out of our minds. <laughs> that would be so nerve-wracking. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too, because then you're, like, wondering why nothing's happening. Yeah. That gives me so much anxiety when it's slow. Because mm. you know, any minute now, this country's just going to, like, blow up. I mean, you could, you, right. you, it could be, the radio could be completely quiet and all of a sudden centers just putting them out back to back to back to back to back to back. It's like, what is going on? Like somebody turned the switch on or. Right. It's crazy. nuts. So let's yeah. talk about future. What do you see future in Genesee County, Jim? Where do you see, you know, with MedStar and I don't know who's all involved with this, but community EMS 
age community EMS. I believe you guys have a white SUV that is doing some community EMS. Yeah, we're doing community community paramedics. So. Genesee County. Hmm. Is that going to take off the community EMS program? Um, I think it'll take it'll take some time. It's going to be a slow move. You know, it's been beneficial. People seem to like it. The medics that are doing it seem to like it. Um, I don't see anything further happening with just because there's three separate hospitals and so many different agencies. I don't think we'll see anything big happen with, um, what do you call it? Critical care. I think if I like, I personally believe that in the next years you'll see, and I'm basing this off of different fire departments that are getting like contracting and, and partnering up with your agency I think we'll see the fire department absorb EMS in our county. Mm-hmm. Now, I appreciate wholeheartedly the paramedic division, the sheriff's department, but it's my personal belief that EMS belongs in the firehouse. So I don't know how long that'll take, but I think that, you know, I, that's why I see it heading. I don't know how long, I don't know how long that we like the smaller agencies like our, I think, like, I think that Swartz and Stat and Patriot on them will do okay for a while. You know, I think we need to go back to how it was back in the day and be more aligned together instead of being like 70s EMS. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You You don't want to go back there. No, man. But it's, you know, I think there's a lot of work to do. I, I think there's a lot of it'll happen after I'm, you know, after I'm, I've moved on. But another, another great saying, Jim, is this, these problems didn't happen overnight. They're not going to get fixed overnight. Right. And it's, yeah. And, work, and being, being comfortable in that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, <clears throat> unfortunately, we, the, all of us know when we stepped into saying yes for this podcast with you, the bottom line is, is we all know that it's going to get really worse it's going to get to the point where it's going to be so bad that our system collapses. Oh, we're not yeah. there yet. Yes. We no. are not there yet. No. We are close, yes. mm-hmm. but we're not there yet. I yeah, think but- it's going to take that total 100% uh, event of in being incapacitated literally with the EMS system to mm-hmm. have things start to change. Well, I'm hoping- now, I'm not a I'm not an aluminum foil hat guy by any means, but I do wholeheartedly believe that we're dangerously close to our like all over the state. I mean, all over the country, really. But the EMF system becoming a FEMA governed thing. Yeah. Well, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and just based on just based on um, this, you know, sickness right. and staffing and. Right. And variants, and then there'll be there'll be there's other things that, that'll get involved. I mean, yep, violence, you know, mental health. That's a big issue that we have to be prepared for. So yeah, I agree with you, Paul. I think I think we're going to get there. Where yeah, when know. when when you listen to the news, and of course, you know how my feeling is on that. But when you listen to the media and, and what they're puking out all the time. You hear things like today um, in Ohio, 
every hospital was on diversion. And only mm -hmm. one of those hospitals was taking anything critical. And once they did, it went to the next hospital. Right. We've been doing that in Genesee County for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Diversion. Oh, I can't mm -hmm. take that. We're close to this, this, and this. And then mm -hmm. the other hospital closes. Yeah. So we are so close to that complete, utter collapse that it's sometimes terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's only going to take, Jim, it's only going to take one major event and mm -hmm. it's going to go over the top. And, and I'll, give you, I'll give you a wild example. The COVID thing we face right now. Let's say a wild scenario is suddenly over a two-week period, the amount of cases triple, triple. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen to all the hospitals and the EMS and everything else? And the state government. The what? Right. And, their, and their, the lack of staff that we have today and other things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It's going to collapse. Well, right. And we had uh, we had a nurse friend on from one of the county hospitals, and she spoke to that. And she spoke to, so, so what? They're going to send in the National Guard. But let's be honest, that's just... If like if I'm a paramedic, but also in the National Guard, and I get called up to the National Guard, that didn't help anything. No, that no. just put me no. in a different uniform. Oh yeah, you know. Like and so FEMA just sent all them that 24 man team to Beaumont. Where right. did all them people come from? Something hey. else. Yes. So yeah, it's it's going to take something, you know, and we'll get there, and and we'll just have to kind of muddle our way through. I'm afraid, but. This is wild. Just, like, I never, ever thought that, like, I wouldn't have access to. Ashley's blown away over here. Don't get sick. Ashley, but, the sad part is we are just scratching the surface. Right. I oh, mean, yeah. last year, last year was the first time that, I mean, we, we have four kids. We just have one son. But last year was the first year that I'm like, no, don't do that because I'm not taking you to the ER. <laughs> right. more than just the boy kid climbing stuff stuff it's like yeah. no we're really not going anywhere right now and to have that be like the norm mm -hmm. right it's just wild it's just you know wild and it's there's out. it's just an ems in general everyone who listens well most people who listen do ems and but for those of you who listen to this show that don't we're really in the grand scheme of what I like to call the first responder kingdom, the lowest rung, as far as respect, the respectability goes. Right. Um, you had that, I think in Houston or something, this concert where everybody pressed forward yep. mm -hmm. and, and all this, it just went, everything went, it just became a catastrophe. Every single time they talked to some type of, were, they were claiming nurse, you know, or it'd be like a nurse extern or something. They went into CPR. All they could do was say how EMS wasn't prepared, you know. And then I was thinking, Paul, to quickly digress to when I first worked with you to our heart EMS days. Oh my word! Yes, when and you're covering a big event like that, you really wouldn't be prepared for something no. like that to happen. That's that's the honest. That's right. honest to goodness right. truth. We would not be prepared. There would be not enough of us. Not enough equipment probably not enough availability for transport immediately at least right 
And then once so, you transported a couple hundred or more, do you take them? Right. Where do you go? Right. So it's, you know, all these things. And, and now that we've scared everybody to death. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this as somebody that I tend to be very much on the optimistic side. I tend to be very much like we're all going to take care of each other. We're, it's all going to work out and stuff. It's not that I don't freak out about stuff, but I, I try not to live there in fear. Because one way or another, we will have to navigate whatever situations come our way, and we'll just have to do the next step of it. That's just kind of the reality of mm. humanity. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think to speak at least from like our home and our family, um, the more that we can just give our, our own kids like exposure to what our civil servants do in whatever industry that looks like, Um, you know, I have two kids now, one's only seven and he says he wants to be either a firefighter or a police officer. So, I mean, the, the, it might be out for him for a long time to figure out whether or not that's something that sticks or not. But my 15 year old this year, she said she wants to go into law enforcement. So stuff like Oxford this past week, having conversations, I showed her a whole like recap video on Columbine and we talked about like I was a freshman when that happened to me and now she's a freshman and this is happening to a neighboring city. And so being able to tell her like if you go into this field, this is the stuff you're going to see. We're not going to live in fear, but you have a skill like you have a heart for justice, a heart for people, a heart like you just you're courageous. And so whether you choose to go into this industry or not, like you have a skill set to serve and like protect people. And so my heart is that if they don't choose this industry, they have such a care and a respect for those that do it and that they would see in some capacity and choose to see what they go through. Because at the end of the day, like we need to be stronger communities. We need to be stronger connected. And the more that I can understand you and the more that you can understand me, we can better be there for one another through all this stuff so like I'm on the early end of raising this family I don't know where my kids are gonna go I don't know what this is gonna look like but hopefully when I kick them out and release them out into the world they'll have a better mindset and viewpoint perspective of how this all works together and maybe one day they'll be a part of the solution with this specific industry I don't know you know but I think that because I come from the community side, because I'm an accountant, I have no healthcare experience or anything. My mom was an RN. She worked in the ICU, you know, so I have like, my mom's the best RN in the whole world mindset, you know, but other than that, you know, that's, that's just kind of, I, hopefully some encouragement coming from, I know there's good people out there. I know that there's people that want to make an impact and a difference. And I believe that those people will show up when they're supposed to, hopefully, if they're responding to what they're supposed to. And we can all look after one another the best that we're able to. So I know that's a little bit more on like, it's a perfect like little in a box, (laughs) like, you know, picture and stuff. But I I know that if we can shoot for some of this stuff. um, So I just really, really appreciate... um, Man, I, this has just been really cool for me to get to know you guys a little bit and have you share all this stuff. It's just been really well, We appreciate you letting us be a part of this too, Jim. And, and Ashley, it's, we, could, we could probably do this podcast for six hours and tell you story after story after story after story. And what it was like 
you know, in, in, in 1988, when I got my first EMP license and I was dispatching for transmit, we could, and, and the world was good. I mean, I thought, but today you just, any, there ain't nothing that goes across that radio today that doesn't surprise me that go, Oh Lordy. I was in, I was in Travers when the Oxford shooting happened and, and it still was way too close to home. All right. And, and, you know, being at the first mass shooting that Michigan has ever had, these people that live in that glass houses that were prepared and we're, we're, we, you can't be prepared for that. Yes. We train more today in the active shooter and, and we, and we have all that, that stuff, but I don't think there's anything that we can prepare to, to go into a situation live like that and not have some effect of it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And don't think that, that just cause we live in Michigan, that it ain't going to happen in Gaines, Michigan. It ain't going to happen in Schwartz Creek. It ain't going to happen in Otisville. All right. It can happen anywhere. All right. I mean, look, look at the chain reaction the next day in the school districts in Genesee County of all the threats that happened in the schools shutting down. And just, just, it's sad. It, it's a sad, I mean, um, I pray that I never have to be involved with it, but I know when that day comes that I'm ready to serve and whatever God leads me to do and whatever happens to me, it will, it, it will just be what it is. But mm-hmm. yeah. Well, so this is what we do typically. We get everybody goes and around and gives like, smiling because she knows, <laughs> she knows how we do. Everyone just kind of like a, a final thought kind of encouraging word to the I'm also the laughing current. because I already gave my final thought. I knew yes. kind of partly what <laughs> I was doing. Yeah, dude, she did. You cheater. So, but that's You're what a cheater. You just kind of close out with a, a just a final thought each and and that's how we wrap it up. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. okay. So um I let's start with you because you're the you're the the baby so far of our family. Yes. So you you start i'll go and then we'll let dad go and we'll have jim follow with the final thought sounds good so my final thought is you know is remember if i if you remember three things that i've talked about today in in this wonderful conversation that we've had is number number one do your job the best of your ability come to work you care you understand and that you're going to make a difference today no matter what what you do Second thing I can tell you is you didn't you didn't put that situation, you were dealt that situation, deal with the best of your ability and take care of that to the best of your ability. And when you go home at night and you put your head on the pillow, you've done the right thing today. And then number three, if you have if something's bothering you, reach out to somebody, talk to somebody, reach out to, to Pastor Jim, reach out to Paul, reach out to myself, reach out to a friend that you can trust in, but don't hold it all inside you. And then remember the last thing is that that if if you do everything right and you do everything that possibly you can do at the end of the day, it makes you a better person and makes the world a better person. And that's what I'm gonna leave with you today. Ooh, that's gonna be tough. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the podcast. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you're editing you're editing that out too, aren't you? Yeah, right. You'll find out when it posts on Thursday. Oh, you funny, you funny, funny, funny. So I don't really have words of advice with 
with my clothes because we as humans we're innately going to do what we want to do anyway because of choice and willful want and all the rest of that fun stuff however um i believe that a person can be guided um very simply through little tiny bits of um interjection or teaching or uh, movement even. Don't put your hand here because this is going to hurt you. So the belief in education and the belief in teaching is what keeps me running in the business to say, um, I don't want to see it end. I don't want to see it go into this crash. But I know that it's going to. And if it does, I'm an educator. I will end up educating somebody else because that's what I do. Um, I'm never comfortable with Jim ever saying to me, Paul, you're my mentor. Mm. La, da, 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 da. I tell him all the time. You're so full of, yeah, you're so full of God is what you are, Jim. <laughs> so, uh, but, but having said that, deep down, a human being a human taking that type of accolade from another human, you cannot help but accept that. You don't want to accept it because you're humble. And I do this because I'm it's it's my job, or I do this because of the humanity of the thing. Thank you, Jim. I, I appreciate. <laughs> all those accolades you've given me. And I know how truthful and um, 100% dedicated you are to those statements. However, it still doesn't change me because I'm not used to that. I don't want to be praised. I don't want to do that. What I want to do is I want to educate. I want to mm -hmm. make sure that the next guy coming up the ladder or some other guy at the top of the ladder knows what they're doing so that, in the end, lives can be saved. Right. There, there's my two cents. <laughs> Mine's short and sweet, Jim. For the health and safety of all of the people that uh, respond to emergencies, simple. Never try to fly a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> words of wisdom from the senior yes. there. <laughs> yes. I got to say, too, before I, before I wrap this up, that my favorite quote of this episode was when you said that you let off the gas and then it finally touched down. I just, cause I, I'll never, I have that image in my mind, what that might've looked like. Right. It, so. it was scary at that moment. It was very scary because I realized that thing didn't touch down for maybe 50 feet. I, I'm not, I can't tell you how far, but it was airborne for it's amazing yeah well <laughs> at 160 mile an hour and the road stops and you don't <laughs> yeah. yeah scary yeah. so what i'll say is this paul to you directly i'm the same as you i don't like that i don't like it one bit right i, I just i just say it you know because i i sincerely mean it um but exactly the same as you ashley knows our pastor knows we, he does this thing where he makes veterans stand up on Veterans Day. 
I've done entire episodes. I don't like, thank you for your service, you know, because it's just, this is being in service to first my country, then my community, you know, and then now my church and God and all that stuff is just in me. That is how I'm wired. And so it's one of those things where like, I don't need people to tell me thank you because it's just how that's how I function. It's where I need to be. It's like breathing air. Right. You know, so, you know, with that said, I I will say to our listeners, to our young EMTs and paramedics coming up, just like know when to not go through your whole toolbox, know when to just be compassionate. You know, that is, I would say 95% of this job is just compassion and empathy uh, understand that when you're on scene for us, it's a puzzle to solve for them. It's, it might, it's the most catastrophic moment of their life. You know, if their family member is sick or, and it's emergent and you're doing all the things you're, the family's watching, you know, and, and keep that in your mind. But as far as like uh, words of encouragement, I would just say that we will, we will get through this. You know, we will, like we've said here tonight, it will probably or definitely get worse before it gets better. But for those of us who've done this job, we've been here before. We've been through things before. We've been through dark times. And just, you know, kind of to piggyback off what Dale said, look to us who've been in the business a while. You know, reach out, talk to your your people we are not in a business of trying to be tougher than the next guy anymore. No, that is, that is no longer part of this job. Nope. So like reach out before you need help. And with that, I'd say thank you to you guys for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I would love to have come back. I mean, I would love to talk again and and absolutely great stuff, but what a great night and great evening I had sharing with the, the good times and the bad times and, Right. Yes, we as an accountant, I hope we didn't scare you too bad. But um, no, man, she's been with me before on the rig. No, I've, I've been on. I mean, I haven't seen. That's well, good. Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> we've been we started this in 2017, so that that started the little window opening up. And, and Ashley, do you have an itch yet to do it? The, the people side. The definitely yes. the the people side of things, but it's funny. The last ride along that I went on, I finally was able to go back because of all the COVID and everything um, about a month ago. And I got home and I'm like, man, that's not my job. <laughs> like that's not my job. You're but right. I I have such a blast. It's such an honor to go to go on. It's just mm-hmm. it's amazing. And every time I'm blown away by the authority we have to go and be with people. It right. blows my mind to walk into their homes, walk into yeah. situations, and they're like, they, and they, Jim, yeah. and Ashley, and, and, and Paul, and myself. I think it's so important that we just, every time we can reach out and just make a difference, it's, it's so important. You know, mm-hmm. Paul and I both, and so did you, Jim, worked in the ER. And there was many times I sat with a 86 year old grandma who, they came in from the nursing home, no family there, and you just sit with them and just chat with them or, you know, talk them through what they were going to do and the, and the procedure because there was nobody else there. 
Right. Right. And, and we do that. You do that on the ambulance. I do that in the ER. I do that at my job up north. And to me, if we can do that, just that alone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm done. Well, all right. Yeah. Thanks again for coming on. We'd love to have you guys back. So when did this air? Thursday when? Thursday morning. This Thursday, Thursday at 9 morning. a.m. I usually post it at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. And it will all go right. to like wherever you listen to podcasts. And then it's all within Freedom okay. Center Church. So you know what? I'll email you guys the link to it. Since That'd I've be got, awesome. And I'll just Perfect. do it. How's that? Yeah. That'd be great. That'd be great. Sounds good. Feel free to share it out to whoever you want to. Okay. Sell it. Whatever. <laughs> Sell it. <laughs> so, twenty-five cents. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Remember to check us out on socials. Uh, thank you, Freedom Center Church and Kingdom Builders, for your continuous love and support. And that's that. We'll see you next time. All right. <laughs> <laughs>